Apparently. <laughs> so, uh, hey, so some microphones here. Are you talking to it for a second about something that we're not going to talk about? I, I've, ever, uh, I've never played Animal Crossing. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Oh, man. Uh. Pretty good. You should play it someday. Surprisingly <laughs> 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 fun. Nick, you want to yeah. talk? I'd like Animal Crossing a lot. You would like it? Yeah. Uh huh. Theoretically. If I, yeah. If you knew what it was? I, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, good. Let's see how this Let's happens. listen to that and be depressed. September 5th, 2009. And this is the first Idle Thumbs PAX 2009 podcast. And I'm Chris Rima. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. And we're joined here today <laughs> by Ron Gilbert, Hello. the creator of Monkey Island and the upcoming Death Spank. How's it going? It's going good. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Yes. <laughs> you delivered a, a pretty good uh, keynote address today. Pretty just, good. Just pretty good. It was, pretty, it was <laughs> excellent. It was <laughs> the most wondrous. <laughs> Keynote address I've ever witnessed in my professional career and my personal life. So. You know, to be honest, I don't remember it. You don't remember I it? I do though. not remember it. It's this weird thing. I've never spoken to a group of people that large before. Mm. I remember like the first five minutes of it, and I remember the last five minutes of it. The rest was like a blur. You listed a lot of computers. I did, yes. You listed a Commodore and an I did. Atari. Mm -hmm. I remember those. that. Yeah. That was in the script. And then you got, you got really... Um, Flag planty and very uh, sort of laying down the mm -hmm. the kind of I don't know the, the flag the flag the flag of the flag, flag yeah. planty flag thing. planty laying, <laughs> yeah, planting right. a flag mm -hmm. games are are art yes and, absolutely and you will shoot anyone who says otherwise mm -hmm. did I say that well I think a video game would make you do that okay so yeah. also you shot but, that guy but you, you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but that was good. This is my defense now, right? I, I don't remember it. We got it on tape, right? Before, I'm on a podcast. Yeah, That's like true. admissible in court. It is true. We are authoritative. <laughs> we are recognized legally by the Supreme Court. <laughs> Precedents have been set. Idle thumbs versus the world. <laughs> the world. <laughs> versus Unanimous decision. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So we just saw Death Spank. Mm -hmm. That was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, thanks. You're blending some genres. Yes, I am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're, uh, for those who don't know, Death Spank is a sort of a blend between a traditional graphic adventure game and a sort of Diablo style hack and slash kind of thing. Is that yeah, an accurate? Yeah, that's a, that's a yeah. fair description. Yeah. How did you How did you end up with that sort of synthesis? Well, I think that I obviously I love adventure games, yeah. and uh, I actually I love Diablo. I play it a lot, and I just I just I wanted to play both those games at once, and I couldn't. So did you uh, try setting up a dual monitor <clears throat> setup? Yeah, yeah, dual box it or something. Mm -hmm. No, no. So I, I just I wanted to play. I mean, literally, I wanted to play them yeah. at the same time. And and I think that RPGs and adventures they they share a lot in common in a lot of ways. And so just kind of weaving you know the puzzles and stuff in and out of the combat. And with adventure games, you're collecting items, and with RPGs, you're killing people for items and getting those two things to work together. <laughs> right. in, in both games, you always want items. Yes, it's, it's all about items. Yeah. 
uh, you know, adventure games is the they are the they passes. are the kleptomaniac genres. I mean, that is like that's right. True. That's yeah. true. So yeah. adventure games, it's all about yeah. stealing, and RPGs, yeah. it's about killing. Right. The so. RPG protagonist will just go slightly further to get his items. <laughs> yeah. Right. The adventure game protagonist sort of backs off when he can't get it <laughs> right. with a witty barb. Yeah. So you can you know you can play this game any way you want. You know? yeah. yeah. I mean, do you find there's any like sort of any of the design conflict there in terms of uh, of of I don't know. I mean, is a I, I assume the items you get through the RPG segment of the game. I mean, that's I assume those are more disposable versus when you when you've got to go sort of go through an adventure style puzzle or quest line. I assume that's more of, of the kind of this item is extraordinarily important and it's unique and there's one of them. I mean, do you, do you have do you have is there a sort of a design uh, decision there in terms of weighting which one of those is more important? Like sort of training the player to know the difference between when they're getting this item versus when they're getting a very disposable kind of throw away at them. Well, I think the thing you have to train the player with is that this thing is important. And whether they get it through solving some adventure game puzzle or they get it through defeating some mini boss or something. I think as long as you, you convey to them that this thing is important, uh, I think it can come from either one. And some of those things do come from adventure game puzzles and some of them do come from, you know, defeating bosses. Yeah. And then, as for, and to sort of take that further, I think it, those two genres are interesting because they are also paced very differently. You know, it, you're about to say something. Yeah, I was. <clears throat> I was going to say you're you're absolutely right. Oh, good. Well, <laughs> yes. Please go on. <laughs> Don't interrupt me, please. Uh, no, I, and and that that really is the biggest challenge. The, you know, integrating the puzzles kind of with the, with the combat stuff really wasn't that hard, but it's the pacing actually that's hard. Adventure games are very slow. Yeah, they're, kind of they're stilted. Almost. Yeah, and and that's kind of nice. You know, sometimes you're playing an adventure game, you just want to relax and you know take it at your own pace and. RPGs, certainly action ones like Dabble are m much more fast-paced. So I think that is probably the biggest challenge of all is kind of getting that pacing right or, or making players feel like now it's okay to be relaxed, but now we want you to you know, not be relaxed for a little while. And a lot of the combat has to do with uh, side quests. So it is something you can kind of opt in of and out of and kind of as you're playing the game. Yeah. So there are sections that are less combat-oriented? Yes. Okay. Yes. And how is the game structured overall? I mean, is it... Uh, it's structured very well. <laughs> Excellent. Very well structured. That's the right choice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good yeah, we we played Good around with yeah. poorly structuring it, and, uh, you know... Didn't, didn't test very well. No, no. Did. So we went to well-structured. Okay. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Bullet point on the back of the box. <laughs> yeah. Well-structured. Yeah. <laughs> Spelled correctly. Yeah. Good job. I approve. Yeah. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, no. How is the game structured? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean by structured. Oh, man. Oh, uh, well, what was I, your I, question. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, broken. Like, are there are there acts to it? Are there chapters? I mean, you know. Yeah, there are there are there are different acts for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there, there is some kind I mean, of an it's, arc. It's a continuous world, yes, but there's right. okay. And uh, can you explore the world in any sort of fashion that you wish to, or or I mean, how are the chapters? Uh, integrated into that world. Well, you you can explore. You could, in theory, explore the whole world right from the beginning, okay. but but it's probably not really easy to do because a lot of the gating, some of the stuff is gated through you know what we call hard gates, which mm -hmm. is you know adventure game type puzzle. The bridge is up, right? And then we also have a lot of soft gating, which is like monsters. It's like, well, I need to get through the haunted forest, but there are level eight killed. monsters. Yeah. yeah, so that's what we call soft gating. But there's a lot of things like, you know, stealth potions and whatnot that kind of, you know, get you around those types of things if you want to. Are you going to encourage the sequence-breaking speed run contingent to... Uh... <laughs> 
Yeah, that would be down the soft barriers. That would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you know if you have the right potions and stuff and the right you know abilities and yeah, you could probably get around a lot of that. Oh man, I'm sorry. This is completely off topic and a really stupid thing to bring up, but uh, God. (laughs) Okay, so was that that game was I assume running on a PC with a 360 controller, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, just for our readers, this is so stupid. This computer is outfitted with a cyborg mouse. <laughs> I want to I want to point this out. I noticed the mouse that was that was hooked up to this PC was a cyborg mouse. We uh, we might have spent like an entire episode one time uh, <laughs> obsessing over the many yeah, fictional real features of the cyborg mouse. Yeah, uh, and Death Bank hopefully compatible with it. I guess. So uh, would, would you say, would you say Death Bank is cyborg compatible? <laughs> apparently. Yeah. I didn't buy that mouse. I have no idea what you guys are. Oh, oh shit. Mm. Oh. Cyborg well, mouse slammed by Ron when Gilbert. You, <laughs> <laughs> when you go back to the booth, you can... Uh, I'll check it out. Yeah, you can check it out. It's pretty amazing. It's got a robotic arm thing that like contracts it or expands it. we got to stop talking about the cyborg mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, okay. it's, it's a mouse. Ron Gilbert's presents. It's a mouse. <laughs> it needs a button and a little ball on the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, it needs a cyborg arm and laser a laser, laser, laser <laughs> engine. engine. Laser yeah. deceleration engine. Right. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, maybe I can I can twist this into a real question. Is this a multi-platform game? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So probably PC and 360. Yeah, we haven't announced any platforms. Okay. But it, but this game basically runs on everything right now. Oh, okay. Everything? PS. <laughs> PSP? Well, yeah, links? Speaking of DS. <laughs> oh, yeah, go. Hey, oh, it's my question now. Yeah, you've taken it. <laughs> I stole it from you. Um, it's got the cool, in the demo, in the public demo, they were talking. They were describing the world as being on a toilet paper tube, but mm-hmm. it's it's very much like the Animal Crossing DS mm-hmm. thing. Is that where that idea came from? Or, I mean, because I, I liked it a lot as a make it 3D, but keep the same sort of scrolling plane of a 2D game uh, without, and you, know, you can still, still show a sky and stuff, which is always right. Anyway, I'm rambling, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I yes. think a- Animal Crossing definitely was an inspiration for that. I, I always kind of like that. And and I think what it does, you know, in Death Bank, because of that, is it makes the world feel kind of more intimate in a way, mm-hmm. you know, because you don't have these giant, you know, uh, vast expanses that have to be fogged away and everything. Everything just right. kind of come over the horizon and well, yeah it was nice it still feels big when you see the when right, you see the stuff yeah. scrolling up over the top which is right cool. right and you know melding the kind of the, the 2d that all of the buildings and trees and rocks and all that is all 2d it kind of almost gives us a little like pop-up book feel you know as you're coming oh, yeah. things are just kind of yeah. popping up over That's the horizon the image I was looking for, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and it really i think it just kind of makes that whole thing work this is um as i recall like when we interview you Five freaking years ago, I think you did say Animal Crossing was a big one of your big one of your favorites. Am I yeah. making that up or is that <clears throat> no? Cool? I, I I love Animal Crossing. I, I I honestly believe that Animal Crossing is probably one of the best games ever. Well, you that's that's funny because you uh, Tim Schafer I think also feels that way, mm-hmm. and it's funny because you guys work together on games. He only that are... feels that way because I so... do. <laughs> <laughs> the games obviously you guys work together on are completely different than Animal Crossing. It's interesting to me that both of you. Um, have sort of specifically pointed to that game as being one that you think is such such a great experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Any any hypothesis as to why that is? I'm re- I'm going. I have no idea what I'm asking here. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about Animal Crossing. <laughs> I think you know Animal Crossing. The thing that I just really love about that game is is that is that real time clock mm. that the world the world seems to be existing even when I'm not playing it. 
And the other thing that I really like about it is is that the characters. I, I like the way that you can. There's this town, and you can almost pit the characters against each other. You know, you can write angry letters to one and nice letters to another, and you can just kind of get everybody to hate each other or like each other. And that that social, that kind of social aspect of the game, I just find really, really fascinating. Mm. But I, I think it's probably the real time clock stuff. It was kind of neat. I remember I, I I was playing a lot on my DS, but I don't. You know, fake my clock forward like a lot of people do. I'm a purist, yeah. you know, yeah. about it. Of course, you're not yelled at by the mole. <laughs> uh, no, no, I've only uh-huh. been yelled at the mole once uh, for that. Yeah, I don't turn it off. And and I went on a trip. I went to France, and I was decided I'd play some Animal Crossing. But of course, my clock was still set to, you know, California time. So I opened it up. And it was like this whole new world that I'd never experienced before. It was nighttime. Oh, really? There was yeah. there was some uh, guy in the cafes playing guitar I'd never seen before, and it, it was really really. His name is KK Slider. Is that what please? it is? Yeah. Okay. That's the name. <laughs> All right. Continue. You're in France. No, no, I think I'm done. Oh, I ruined it. Um, yeah. Oh, I should say most of our readers don't know that. Most of our listeners. Are unaware of this. We Idle Thumbs used to be a, a website with words on it. Uh, it kind of is again now, I guess. But uh, one of the very first interviews we ever ran was an interview with Ron Gilbert, uh, when Jake and I sat there for about five hours, um, blustering through questions. And Ron was a very good sport about it. So thanks for that. Five years later, we're doing Idle Thumbs again, and here we are. <laughs> so, and now we're pros. Now we're totally, <laughs> as you can tell, we're extremely professional. Yeah. Uh, cool. So the the whole two D thing in Death Bank is really interesting. How did you end up actually? Uh, was that was that just something that you had sort of visualized, or or did that emerge at some point during development? That was really part of my kind of initial idea for the game. Mm-hmm. I've always loved two D art. Yeah. I think there's just something very special about it that I think the three D has really not captured yet. And so when I was thinking about the game early on, I just I wanted to have two D art. And uh, it just it just kind of seemed to fit really well. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that is that a challenge at all from the, like working within a three D world? Because it is. I mean, it is an actual three D game. It's just yes. a lot of the actual uh, objects and items and things are in two D. I don't. I don't think it's much of a challenge. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I think it's. I, I think it's actually really neat because we can we can really make really really interesting buildings, really interesting trees that have a real style to them. If I was making a game that was supposed to be realistic, I absolutely would not do this. But because because it's kind of got that that interesting, charming look to it, it just I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I don't think that you if you had modeled everything in three D, I don't know that you really could have gotten the same feel from it. Yeah. It is really unique. The picture book thing is a really good metaphor. Yeah. I, when I was watching it, I was trying to think, like, I was like, this is very evocative of something. Thing, yeah. and, I, like, <laughs> and I couldn't I couldn't place it. And that's obviously what it is. It's yeah. like a picture book. Oh, is that what it is? Good job, Jake. Yeah. Um, I was actually, when I was looking at that game, and especially when you were talking about, uh, my brain is dumb. When you were talking about just uh, adventure game stuff mixed with RPG stuff, uh, I mean, obviously the, game that you, the games you guys did at Hothead just before this were the Penny Arcade games. Uh, do you, I mean, I know you've, you've been talking about Death Bank for ages. You were sort of talking to Chris and I about your, uh, about your attempts to pitch it and design it and stuff back when we were interviewing you, uh, five years ago. I forget where I was going with this. Oh, um, just, are there things that you learned when making the Penny Arcade game that you, uh, applied to Death Bank? I mean, was that, was that game at all a sort of 
a, a proto Death Spank or the first couple of Panarcade episodes? Well, they're very different games. Are they? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, they, they appear to be different from yeah. seeing it, but it is it is a game with some sort of combat mechanic, right. uh, like intermingled with adventure gamey type uh, stuff. But yeah, they, they they are very different games. And okay. one of the things I did want to do with with Death Spank, which is a little bit different than Penny Arcade game, is I, I really wanted to make the adventure game part of Death Spank just a real hardcore adventure game it's uh, there's there's a hard puzzles and you have to figure them out and and that was kind of a very important cornerstone to the whole thing was that people who play this is like this is an adventure game at some level yeah i guess in the Panera game it was there was sort of adventure game sort of layer right. but it was more <laughs> exactly narrative plot advancement stuff right yeah you know, through mm-hmm. handing someone a thing right, right. fair enough you were, i mean you, you you were saying in your uh in your keynote today the idea about about the way a story should be told in a video game and, and how it's not just kind of the the Hollywood mentality of okay you've got a bunch of cutscenes here and then intermingled within that you've mm-hmm. got a, you've got some little <laughs> gameplay levels I mean mm-hmm. uh, it it was interesting to see that because I think you know a lot of people um, you know they look at the they look at the adventure genre and they think oh, okay that's a very cutscene driven driven kind of genre I mean can you speak at all to sort of what you've learned about that or sort of what I mean, not. I think the games you're just, the type of thing you're describing is not not exactly an adventure game style thing. It's probably more of a like an action game kind of archetype. But I'm I'm curious in general about your thoughts on that, especially as someone who has done very um, dialogue driven, story driven games in the mm-hmm. past, and kind of what what your sort of I don't know current design ethic is in that regard. Mm-hmm. Well, I I mean, I obviously, still believe that. I said it yeah. like two hours ago. Right. So I, <laughs> actually, I still believe it. Haven't I haven't changed my mind uh, uh, yet on that. Uh, I, I do think that's important, and I think even you know the old adventure games like Monkey Island and you know Sam and Max and all those. I mean, at some point they are linear. Mm-hmm. You know, they they have kind of one ending and one beginning, and you do kind of follow it through. But but you're really free to roam, though. You know, you're kind, of, you're kind of set up with some obstacles yeah, and some challenges, but you can still go anywhere you want and you can talk to people in any order you want. And, you know, maybe you talk to these guys first or maybe you talk to those guys first. And, and depending on where you do that, the story should kind of flow around that. It shouldn't force you to talk to these guys first and then these guys. Let you talk to anyone you want. And then their dialogue should then subtly change because you have talked to this person before this person. It doesn't have to be earth shattering, you know, 12 different endings to the game. But I think players really recognize that. They they recognize that they have the freedom. And maybe they don't specifically notice it in the dialogues, but like subconsciously they do because the dialogues just work. As they're playing through, it just seems like they work for them. And that's kind of really what I was getting at with that. It's really not about having a ton of different endings for sure, games. Sure, yeah. It's just giving people freedom to roam a world and having that story just kind of flow around them and nudge them in the right directions that they want to go. Do you think that's something that, I mean, do you think enough people are, are giving that attitude it's, it's due these days? Because I feel like one of the big directions we're seeing games go right now is i mean one of many obviously but is is the gears of war or god of war uh, maybe other other things of war uh, <laughs> like, you know we're, i mean those, those games really are like every single person who plays one of those games will do everything in that game in the exact same order as mm-hmm. everyone else who plays those games right. i mean there's no like they're specifically designed to be that way sure and that is that is sort of a, a fairly popular design idol these days mm-hmm. i mean does that i mean what do you think about that is that I don't know. Does that worry you at all from a, from sort of a broader standpoint? I I don't think it's a particularly interesting way to play a game. 
I, I, I mean, there are a lot of different types of games, and people sure. play games for very, very different reasons. Yeah. I mean, some people you do just want to go kill stuff, yeah. right? And and I think in those kind of settings, I think that stuff is you know perfectly okay. I mean, if I play a sports game, I don't want a big story, right? I just want to go hit the well, baseball. I do. Right now. So <laughs> step off. <laughs> but you know the types of games that I like, you know, to play, and the type I like to make are very story-driven type games. So that you know is where that kind of comes in. But I do think that even games like that, I think, could benefit from just kind of trying to open up those stories a little bit more. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. The other, when you were saying, <clears throat> when you were talking about, uh, just, when you started the sentence, I sort of trend in games is I thought that what you were going to say was when people, uh, when people talk in their in their, uh, you know, people are talking about their games. One thing that often comes up in terms of narrative uh, narrative choice or the ability for the player to moving around is you can you can trend towards good or evil uh, and. Yeah. Uh, Middle ground is usually sort of lame, but uh, usually nothing. It's yeah. usually non-existent. Right. But I mean, I when you, when you were talking about you know just sort of worlds, the worlds are sort of flowing around, and you're just basically you know existing in this sort of just pool of narrative content. I I always like that so much more. It's so much, mm -hmm. especially when it is tracking right. an, enough of what you're doing to make it feel like you're still having an effect on things, but not you don't need to sprout horns and get tattoos and stuff. Yeah, and and. You're playing games where you kind of choose a path, you know, that I do this quest and I'm evil and I do this quest and I'm good. Mm -hmm. That's so transparent to me that if I see it in a game, I'm like, all right, I'm going to be good this time. Let me save my game and be good. And then I'll <laughs> yeah, right, save yeah. my game yeah. and be evil. But, you know, getting back to Animal Crossing, you can be good and evil in Animal Crossing, but you don't choose it from a menu. You do it because of all of these little things that you do right. in the game, mm -hmm. how you treat your neighbors and whether you plant flowers and whether you don't do this or do this. It's just it's it's little small things that just subtly shift you to being good right. or evil, but you don't even know that it's happening. You eventually yeah. do because all your neighbors hate you. But <laughs> yeah. hopefully, hopefully that was on purpose and then you can be pleased. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's interesting that Ebert, you know, criticizes games for – it's like we're talking about games that are so rigid and, and uh, you know, linear, and, and that seems to be what he would almost prefer to come from games, you know, but at the same time, that's not at all what we recognize as something that is the strength of the medium. Yeah, and I think, you know, in, in all fairness, that he clearly didn't play yeah. kind of the good... I mean, he never played Monkey Island, right? He never played, you know, Sam and Max. He never played any of these things. And I think had he played those, I, I think he would have kind of seen that little spark of what's going on there. Yeah. And instead, he is kind of looking at, you know, just one genre of games and, and attributing that, that art to that to the entire, you yeah. uh, whatever, game thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you brought up a good point during the – this. you brought up the, the – it's good because I agree with it. But no, you brought up the exact point that I, I, I always like to say about the Ebert thing, which is that his criticism of games, and Nick, this is sort of what you're saying as well, it's like the thing he was criticizing about games, which is their lack of, of well, in some cases, their lack of really strong authorial control, um, indicating a lack of artistry or indicating a lack of, uh, of sort of dialogue between the, the uh, creator and the, and the receiver, so to speak. Whereas in games, it is more of a sort of real-time collaborative process almost between the designer and the player when you're playing the game. And it, I, you know, you, you brought up a good point, which is that, well, that's exactly what makes games amazing. I mean, that's what, exactly what makes them interesting. And it, it's the point of games isn't that you're just being fed a line. It's that you're, you're sort of given, given this world, even if you're not making explicit 
moral choices per se. I mean, you have a world that you exist in that you're exploring, that you're you're uncovering things under this rock or here or there or whatever. And I, you know, it it is it is almost too bad, even just from a purely conceptual standpoint. You know, even aside from from the empirical side of I played this game and now I know gamers games are good, but just from a purely theoretical standpoint, not to recognize that that mode of of entertainment or or culture or art or whatever you want to call it could be illuminating i mean it seems unfortunate to me mm-hmm. yeah um, i agree with that yeah i'm really i was really happy that you brought up uh even online and, and world of warcraft do you play those games at all or is that uh, just... yeah no, i i was not kidding at the beginning of my yeah. speech i am totally addicted to world of warcraft okay yeah yeah i actually um you know getting ready for packs and you know desk bank ready and preparing for the keynote i actually stopped playing world of warcraft like two weeks ago so I just said, you know what? I have to stop playing this thing because I, I have to focus on this stuff. Yeah, you know, right. it's important. Um, so Monday's a holiday, so I am really looking forward to. to go home. I am going. I am going. It's like twenty four hours of World of Warcraft <laughs> when I get home. Yeah. No, I I create a lot of stories. <laughs> I, I I love. <laughs> Nick just made the air quotes there. <laughs> a crucial component of that. <laughs> and but but I do think that. Those big, massive multiplayer games are an interesting glimpse. I mean, yeah, you look yeah. 50 or 100 years from now at the art, I think it is going to be there. It's just going to be just millions of people just existing in these worlds that are created by the artists. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I think, I mean, you look at the stuff that comes out of EVE Online, it's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you've read yeah. some of these stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just, they're so, uh, you know, spontaneous, but, but also so interesting. You know, more interesting than somebody could almost conceive of. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's true. It's, I mean, it's almost it's better than what you could write in, in a right. lot of cases. Well, I, I think in those cases, you know, the uh, I'm going to use the air quotes here. The <laughs> artists uh-huh. uh, that you know create those things, you know, whether it's Warcraft or, or Eve Online, what, what they're doing is is they're creating tools. They're creating a whole bunch of tools and situations. They're creating a giant machine that they don't really know what's going to happen when it's turned on. And then, like, the fuel of people are just put into this thing. And then they go through and they just make the whole machine work. And I, I think that's that's where that artistry is really going to come out, mm-hmm. is it's building worlds. It's not telling a story, but right. it's building an entire world. Is that something that interests you on a, on a personal level? Like, something that you would be – I mean, I, I'm just curious, you know, how would you go from, if you were interested in that kind of thing, from, you know, telling fairly – uh, traditional stories, you know, from, you know, from an adventure game background, to something like that, and still keep your voice and your, you know, um, your style. You know? I I do find that very interesting because I think it's an interesting challenge. Yeah. Because adventure games are, you know, at some level very linear. I mean, if I'm doing Monkey Island, I am telling a story. There yeah. is the story of of Guybrush to be put in that. But being able to do a massively multiplayer game where there's all sorts of stories going on and figuring out how they all can interact with each other and how the people can play play a part in those stories. I think that's just utterly fascinating. Mm-hmm. I would love to do that. This this isn't this isn't directly connecting up anything, but I just want to say I just think it was I was reading this article about Eve this week about about this major bank in Eve and like everything else in that game it's entirely player created and player run and this this bank uh the one of the major figures in this bank embezzled yeah. like several hundred thousand of the in-game currency isk and 
then there was a huge bank run and now the bank is in huge debt and they've frozen all assets and you can't withdraw your funds until they get to like 90% liquidity or something. And it's like, are you kidding? This is just <laughs> happening. No one, no one decided this should happen. Like uh -huh. nobody designed this. This uh -huh. is, this is just what actually results. And it's, it's astonishing that this and is since it's on EVE online. It's in space, right? <laughs> <laughs> which makes it all okay. Yeah. Well, it's way cooler. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, let's, let's be honest. <clears throat> Whenever I read all those evil line stories, that's my favorite part about all that stuff, is that it's like, and if you're in this world or watching it, what you're actually seeing is crazy majestic spaceships swooping around. And it's like, <laughs> what? Right. And then this is going yeah. on at the same time as that. Yeah. It, it is it is like a crazy example of, yeah. of player-created stuff, in a, in, but it's in such a extreme yeah. like genre thing yeah. but then remember yeah. that time when there was a run on the bank in star wars <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly why didn't you guys make that game at lucasarts which but i think you have to commend the people who made the game because yeah. they set everything up so that stuff could happen yeah, yeah. yeah and, and probably put just enough constraints that it didn't completely spin out of control because yeah. something like that could just self-destruct as well right but there's enough controls that it doesn't self-destruct and i think that's great yeah. Jake is busting up over here. What? I'm not going to say it. Oh, you always do this. We'll get, we'll get hate mail. I was just going to say, and all of these situations could exist if libertarians ran the country, and <laughs> we'd see them all in the real world. All these crazy well, this scenarios is happening would play in the real world. Anyway. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, that was well, that was one of the things that was so fascinating about it is that uh, you look at actual major financial institutions right now going through a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. Um, in Iceland. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, especially in Iceland. That's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Weird. Where that game was made. Yeah. Um, go what? figure. Iceland is is just the financial system has one hundred percent collapsed over there. Um, anyway, uh, I was going to say something else. Do you, you actually all the banks in Iceland are secretly uh, in space. Uh, <laughs> I was, was going to say the, the Icelandic uh, currency is actually isk when you sort of <laughs> scrape that off was the, the problem. The, yeah. the, the, the sort of like, this coin is made of wax and then like just <laughs> isk underneath. Shit! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, you cut to the the room with like the Eve Online. Uh, Executives. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought you were going to cut to the room of the guys who were strip mining asteroids for ISK. <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're not more, more. more. Right. Oh god, the, the Icelandic economy actually collapsed because all of the gold farmers were kicked out of Eve. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That happened a few oh, weeks man. ago. So yeah. we figured it out. This is what's happening. We solved their problem. Yes. Anyway, so how's it going, Ron? Yeah, good. <laughs> good. Good. I, this, this is a really. I'm sorry to. If, to, Stop disclaiming your questions. I hate when I do that, and I do it all the time. Okay, um, just good to talk about the Monkey Island, if that's okay. Um, I'm I'm curious about what. Like, just go back to Monkey Island, if that's okay. Well, because I don't know. I don't know if you like to talk about Monkey Island. Like, some designers don't like when you bring up, you know, Monkey stuff that everyone's been talking about. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it was it was cool for one thing. Just to, you know, I, I imagine it's got to be interesting to have created something that you can come to a convention like this and and just mention it. And have have however many thousands of people freak out. I mean that that's got to be sort of gratifying. Yeah, no, that that really is. Yeah, but uh, the thing that I was the thing that I was going to ask uh, one of the things I find really interesting about Monkey Island, and I think it's something that is not uh, particularly the ones that you that you worked on, is that there's this whole weird um, mystique about those games that that, and I don't mean to get into the whole secret of Monkey Island thing specifically, but I mean just generally speaking. What there, is the secret there, of Monkey Island? <laughs> there is, you know. <laughs> There is a tone in those games that I, to, to tie it into the, the idea about what games can do artistically that's unique, that I think is particularly particularly conducive to games and particularly evocative within a, an interactive environment where you're kind of exploring this world and there's, there's a very, um, 
weird, like enigmatic. I mean, they're they're funny games and they're lighthearted, basically. But I mean, there is an, a really strong undercurrent of of just almost unease at times, and and sort of just like something something is is clearly interesting about this world that's not entirely spelled out. And I'm wondering if you have any any thoughts on that, generally speaking, as a designer, or about kind of how that that works in in games, or or how to pull that off, or something. I don't know because it's. I don't think very many games have achieved that to the same level of success mm-hmm. as, as Monkey Island. And I, I find it just, for some reason, personally, it's one of my absolute favorite things in, in any game ever is just the feel of, of that. Mm-hmm. So answer that question. Yeah, I don't know what I'm asking, but I want to just talk about it, <laughs> if that's okay. I think that people, you know, people love questions more than they do answers. Mm. And any type of a game or in just any story, it's like if you can pepper it with lots of questions and then just give them a few answers as things go on, it really keeps them engaged and it really kind of heightens the, the you know, the mystery of everything that's going on. And with a game like, you know, Monkey Island, it's like, you know, we answer enough questions to make it interesting, but there's enough unanswered questions out there that you're really kind of wondering, well, what is all this about? I think that's you know what it's about, and I think that Lost did a great job of this. You know the TV show. You know they just and it's like sometimes you wonder with something like Lost. It's like are they just like screwing with me? Are they just mm-hmm. making stuff up as they go? And I don't know whether they are or not, but they just do a masterful job at it because it just completely keeps you engaged that in show this. is like a, just a series of surgical strikes of giving you questions <laughs> without answers yes, like, yes it's almost like unmasked that like everyone's like oh man i do like questions more now <laughs> now that lost has basically punched me in the face with that sentence for five years yeah 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 sorry sorry to just just launch into that big mm. pointless spiel but it was interesting one of the things you said today that i i don't think i i, I may have miss misheard or something it was did, did you did you say that one, that one of the first things or the first thing you you thought of when you're thinking about the concept for Monkey Island was that opening line of of I want to be a pirate? I'm, it was you, you said something to that effect, and I might have misheard you. Is that yeah? That that was not so much. I didn't write that line down right. and go. Sure. Yeah, I, I must I must make a game around this line, you yeah. know. But but the thing that was important to me about it, and this kind of went back to some of the. King's Quest games mm-hmm. that that I was playing and you know didn't really like a lot sure. of parts yeah. of them was I wanted it to just be very clear to the player. I mean there was one major thing about Monkey Island is that I wanted the player to not know any more about what was going on than Guybrush. Mm-hmm. And to do that I needed to put him in a very similar situation that he just shows up one day and says, "Hey, I'm Guybrush Sleepwood and I want to be a pirate." Which was exactly what the players thinking. Hey, I'm Fred, and I want to be a pirate, you know, right? <laughs> in a video game. <laughs> video game. Yeah. So it it put the player and it put the main character on complete equal footing. Yeah, that's actually fairly fascinating because that uh, that that's almost sort of a two birds with one stone kind of thing there because it does solve one the problem of not needing to have sort of a big text crawl and sort of get the player up to speed on all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it also is really like the first the first kind of puzzle piece of what I was describing in terms of this weird mystery of what this world is. It's like, wh- why are you this guy who's just on this island? Why do, you, why do you just show up and declare this? You know, what is this? I mean, that 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 sort of persists all throughout until the end of Monkey Island 2 and is still 
sort of an open question, but it's an open question that's been I, given I, I all think, these extra... I think I wrapped that up pretty good at the end. Oh, yeah? Okay, too. Was, <laughs> Did you? Was, Did I... <laughs> are people confused about uh, that ending? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I find that really fascinating. I think that, that's cool that, that you had such a clear sort of design goal behind that. And, For and what that it's worth, it, in yeah. none of the sequels has anyone ever actually answered why Guyver shows up and says he wants to be a pirate. So, yeah. for what it's worth. No, it's you just said that people yeah. have layered a bunch of stuff. People have layered stuff on top of all sorts of things, but no one has ever tried to talk about where that guy came from. Yeah. That which is, is good. You've yeah. never had Guyver say, I remember that time when I was six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, my puppy died or whatever. No, that's true. Yeah. That's a good point. Fortunately. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I don't know why I brought that up. No, that's a good. I, I, Listen, you. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. glad that you did because I, I did hadn't really occurred to me. Yeah. Cool. You just gave me a, like a look. Like, were you? Are you mad at me now? No, no, that? no, not at all. <laughs> I'm just. I making, just, what I just looked up from the table and just. I'm just making funny faces. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That's yeah, cool. That's it's, it's something I do. That's cool. Yeah, I'm gonna try and change the subject entirely, and this might oh, ruin everything. No, go ahead. But uh, just. We've all been at PAX for a day. Has anyone seen anything interesting or not? This Ooh. could die immediately if no one has seen anything. <laughs> We've all been sitting in small rooms or booths, not moving, but I'm hoping maybe that someone saw something because I haven't seen anything yet. You played Left 4 Dead, right? Or did you not? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> I sat in a room and watched a couple other people play Left 4 Dead too. Right. And then I left yeah. after stealing a sandwich. Right. That was the best part. Yeah, I've mainly been doing interviews, so I haven't... Uh... Sort of sat down and played cool things right now. I don't oh, know. This is going to be fun. I haven't roamed the show floor at all. We all so suck. Really Nick? Know. Played a little Mass Effect too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Did you beat it? I did. I beat, beat the demo. Oh, okay. Yeah. You mean the game? Yeah, well, the game as it is in the right. demo. Oh. Have you played Mass um, Effect at all, Ron? No, I haven't. That's an interesting game. I would, I would maybe recommend it to you. Yeah. There, there are some... I mean, we've been talking about it all the time on this podcast recently, so I don't know how much I want to belabor it, but just... There is a lot of really interesting stuff there, purely in terms of like dialogue and conversation and the way they handle those systems, and it's it's really interesting. I, I kind of I've said on this podcast before I would have been really interested to play to see what Mass Effect would have been like as almost a pure adventure game. You know, if they had mm -hmm. just found ways to just get rid of all the combat but keep all of the mm -hmm. cool stuff they did with with sort of solving problems and right. talking to people and exploring a world. Well, I think, like I mentioned earlier, I, I play World of Warcraft. Right. So I don't. You don't play anything else. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair enough. Yeah. Do you ever have to like? Do you ever attempt to sort of put like an embargo on yourself and and go try other things or? Yeah, I, I, I do have to. I mean, you know, I, I joke. I mean, it's yeah. really not that bad. But I, but I do play it a lot. Yeah. You can suck it. And, <laughs> and it does suck up my life and yeah. just yeah. ruined a lot of things. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's, that's <laughs> ominous. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> you have to get like an embedded uh, version of Death Bank for World of Warcraft, so all those people can, oh, yeah. uh, can play that while... instead of playing uh, yeah. what was it, Bejeweled or whatever. Well, oh, right. you know my 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 character in in uh, World of Warcraft is Death Bank. Oh man, oh, what, what server character. are you on? Can we say that? Can anyone stalk you now? Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you have to block it out. So, okay. Yeah, I'm playing on the mm server. Oh, that's fascinating server. Yes, yes. Yeah. No, it's really <laughs> oh, that fascinating <laughs> server. I'm a huge fan of that, that server that you play on, that you just said. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I haven't played World of Warcraft in a while. I, I last played it in, I think, 2005, but I've heard it's actually sort of 
improved to substantial degrees in ways I, I probably wouldn't have actually expected mm-hmm. myself. I don't know. I was talking, I was at, we were at BlizzCon recently. I was talking to one of the guys who's working on the upcoming expansion and he was, I don't know, he was saying they're trying to move away a lot from the just sort of, and Nick, you've talked about this before, but moving away from just the, here is a big chunk of text that just tells you everything that you're supposed to have just done or that you, I guess, are doing right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was, that was always one of the things that I, that I kind of could never get into that heavily about World of Warcraft was that the seven paragraph short story. Yeah, where yeah. it's just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really enjoy good storytelling in games, but I don't think that was an, an example of it. Yeah, and you can see that from the quests that they've done. You know, the first quest they did in the in the old world to the quests that are in Lich King is they're very very different. Yeah, the quests are a lot more engaging. They're kind of storylines are told in nice little pieces, and you know, you're not just you know kill 10 boars for boar pelts type stuff right. that you're actually yeah. doing these interesting things that feel in a way a little bit adventure gamey you know mm, as you're kind yeah. of combining items it's not you know quite as sophisticated as adventure games but sure. you can really see that kind of coming out in their new stuff yeah it's interesting how, how many uh sort of in some cases isolated but in some cases more significant components of adventure games have been finding their way into almost every genre in the last several years i mean i Every game should eventually become an adventure game. I do believe yeah. that. Cool. Yeah, I like that you just described the things in World of Warcraft as being an adventure game, in that it is uh, not just not because it's item collection or dialogue creation, thing, but because it's uh, character storylines cascading over themselves as you do things, which is. Yeah. Maybe the coolest thing about adventure games when <laughs> right. they're good, actually. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, and I mean, all, all the other stuff is actually interface. Right. Yeah, I mean, game genres in general kind of have that have that dichotomy, you know, where, I mean, you've got, you can describe an RPG either as a system of dynamics or a system of mechanics. And I mean, you've got, like, the sort of, in an RPG, what you're trying to do, which is largely speaking, develop some kind of character and, and play through some kind of story and explore some kind of world. And then you've got the actual mechanics, which are, like, you know, depending on what kind of RPG, turn-based combat or real-time combat or, or this or that and dialogue trees, and then... In adventure games, you've got the same thing, where it's broadly what you're actually trying to do is explore some kind of world and, and inhabit some kind of character, a specific setting, and add some kind of tone. And then you can also describe adventure games as, oh yeah, those are the ones where you have combined inventory items and you go through dialogue trees and so forth. I mean, like there is right. almost all game. I think pretty much every game genre has that. Yes. And uh, sometimes people draw from the wrong side. I'm not really going anywhere with this, but I do think you know. I do think sometimes people learn the lo- the wrong lessons from the success of, of of certain genres. I think I think we may have talked about that five years ago about how it's not an adventure game if it doesn't have the the plus cursor and uh, that sort of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. Those people are scary now. <laughs> <laughs> they get scarier as as with every as time continues to go. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, that's true. I mean, I, I don't know. Do you pay much attention to the sort of traditional? A bit like the adventure company guys like that who just sort of make tons and tons of adventure games all the time. Well, I play the Telltale stuff a lot. Sure, yeah. but uh, but That's the other right. stuff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't. Uh, no, I don't. Yeah. Are adventure games dead? I'm gonna inject some controversy. <laughs> in there. I and if so, who killed them? Yeah, no, let's make this a worse question. Than <laughs> it's that's a question that I have asked myself a lot yeah. over the course of the last year and. You know, looking at Death Bank and you kind of feeling my way through that whole design thing, I think there's this. I think people have people have kind of lost that. Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. 
It's uh, they've they've kind of lost this this interest in just in just relaxing, mm, yeah, and just kind of taking a game, and just sitting with it, and just kind of playing through with it, and then hitting a challenge, and then just mulling it over in their head for a while, and you know maybe they ask their you know husband or their wife about it, and they think about it while at their office, and then oh I got it, and then they go home and they solve the puzzle. Adventure games are really about that at some level, and and things today it's like. People they they want to go to the internet and they want to look up the fact and and a lot of game players today they want to know where to go and what to do and then they want to get good at that. Right. Where adventure games are about not knowing where to go and not knowing what to do, and that is that is one one thing that I see is this huge difference and we seem to be shifting over into that area a lot lately. So yeah. just t- tell me where to go and tell me what to do and then I want to get good at that. I mean, that's that's sort of what I was getting at, I guess, with these sort of Gears of War, God of War mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's definitely true. And I do think the Internet, in a very broad sense, actually has a lot to do with that. Not even just specifically on a on the level of this particular game, I want to know where to go. But I think really, honestly, the just the nature of the of the Internet being such a big part of most people's lives at this point, mm-hmm. just the nature of not just in games, but anything. I want to know anything. It's instantly available right. on the Internet. I right. want to see this. It's instantly available on the Internet. And I the I think just the... You know, maybe getting out into the weeds a bit here, but I mean, I do think that there, that those things go hand in hand. I mean, I think that just, and I, I'm as guilty of this as anyone, I'm sure, but I mean, just that tendency of just sort of expecting everything to instantly be available, I do think has trickled down to games in a sense of, mm-hmm. of you know, I, I want to know exactly what to do next. I want to know exactly where to go and, and, and I'm just going to, I might become very proficient at it and I might put a lot of effort into that, mm-hmm. but, you know. Nick, we we were sort of talking about this kind of thing, and it, this extends to a lot of genres. Which I think is is interesting. It definitely is something that goes beyond any one particular genre. Something like Civilization Four. We were talking about how Soren Johnson, the designer of that game, talked about one of his goals with Civilization Four is making a game that was interesting, even if you weren't winning, even if you were just playing it and just <laughs> existing. You know, being a civilization that is coexisting with all these other civilizations and not having it necessarily have to be about what's the optimal strategy to mm-hmm. to win right now and grind everyone else down but just sort of and animal crossing is sort of that too i mean you are just kind mm-hmm. of existing you right. are you are right. just taking it all in and, yeah there's no end goal on animal right. crossing right or if there is i don't know what it is yeah right you, you just didn't, you didn't beat animal yet. crossing <laughs> <laughs> hmm. well <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you have, you know, the ultimate house and you've paid off your mortgage and it's totally equipped with every possible set of... You've got every dinosaur. I guess that's my name. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that that is sort of the MMO thing, too, of just sort of yeah. existing here, just sort of mm-hmm. like being a part of this, this larger thing. I mean, I, I, I'm of sort of two minds about it because on the one hand, I do think that that stuff can get to the point where it is just like eating your life and nothing else. And, and you know what I mean? Like at a certain point, how much are you getting out of it? But on the other hand... It is something that is interesting and unique to games, and is there is so much potential there. I, I always sort of wrestle with that in my mind and go back and forth. I'm, I sort of on every day I fall on a different side of that. It's interesting. I, I'm always going back and forth with myself. I've never come to a decision about about it, but I do think that is absolutely the nat- sort of just. I, I do think there is something really fascinating about games and something really important about games that is an interactive system allowing you to just exist in a world mm-hmm. and just sort mm-hmm. of be part of the world. I mean, I do think that's absolutely an important part of game design that, that I hope isn't lost to to just the uh, like explicitly goal-driven right. like next step kind of thing. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. Yeah. I think that's very, very important. Cool. 
It's, we can't see the screen. Yeah. We've been recording, though, for sure. Got an hour. <laughs> <laughs> this was just a dry run. Yeah, of course. Oh, so yeah, that's why we uh, start the actual podcast now. <laughs> Should we get going? What? Video game. Any closing remarks? No. This is the part where you, you drop the earth-shattering... Uh, I do have to say, though, of, yeah. of, of all the people that have interviewed me, I always find you guys to be the most interesting interviews. Awesome. I really do. We're two for two. <laughs> <laughs> 2004, 2009. Bring it back. Well, that's cool. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. When does Death Spank come out? Can we plug something? 2010-ish. Right. Mm. Ish. Ish. Okay. You, gotta, you keep the ish there. I know. Yeah. Plausible deniability. Mm. It's important. There was. And again, this is on the, the record. Over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah, thank, you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Good time. Video game. Animal Crossing is my favorite game of all time. Whoa, that was, you played it just now? It's the... <laughs> yeah, well, you guys were fucking around. <laughs> I had plenty of time to play it. 